Every blessing to you all. Welcome back to my open air pulpits. A very beautiful June morning, a bit breezy, but uh, as far as the rain is concerned, not a cloud in the sky, no insects, no flies yet, just a very noisy bird behind me and a tractor to the other side of me. But you know me, once I arrive at the open air pulpit, I like to finish what I begin. Please go to Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 14. And I want to call this video, When God Damns. I don't like that expression, GD. It became popular, it became uh, prevalent, it became a common used description or term back in the 1960s, 1970s, Hollywood always pushing the boundaries, trying to get away with more wickedness, decided they could start to blaspheme. But if you go back to the 1930s, 1940s, 1950s in Hollywood, they had what was called the Hayes Code. And the Hayes Code made it very difficult for Hollywood to blaspheme God. Hard to think now, isn't it? They had to be very careful about innuendos, inappropriate scenes, so on and so forth. And for maybe 25 years, Hollywood had to be careful what they said. But the 60s, 70s, 80s came, the floodgates opened, and all of a sudden that term GD or JC or OMG became a very popular and disgusting term. And now it's pretty much in every movie or in most articles on the radio as well. You can't get away from it, can you? Ezekiel chapter 14, Ezekiel chapter 14, look at verse 1 if you will. Then came certain of the elders of Israel unto me, and sat before me. So Ezekiel is a type of Christ. All of the Old Testament prophets are types of Christ at the first advent. All of the kings of Israel are types of Christ at the second advent. Two, and the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their heart and put the stumbling block of their iniquity before their face. Should I be inquired of at all by them, son of man? Jesus Christ called himself the son of man 80 times. He called himself the son of God 40 times. So again, the prophets from the Old Testament are all types of Christ at the first advent, whereas the kings, all of the kings without exception, are types of Christ at this second advent. And here it says how the word of the Lord came unto him, verse 2. Now for 2,500 years from Adam to Abraham, Abraham right up until the end of Moses' life, there's no written word of God anywhere on the face of the earth. For 2,500 years you've got God speaking to people, sending holy men of God as they were moved by the Holy Ghost, people like Melchizedek. Enoch would say how the Lord comes with 10,000s of his saints, and of course thousand or thousands in Hebrew was used and is used to denote many, many people. A number too high to count. In Hebrew there's no word for million or billion, at least not in biblical times, so the term thousands is used, whereas from uh, or for memory, I think the term million is found at least once in the New Testament, because the New Testament was written in Greek, of course. 
And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, we could say this, the word of the Lord came unto Jesus, Son of man, should I be inquired of those that are coming to me, like the Pharisees, like the Sadducees? Because again, Ezekiel is a type of Christ, but around the time of this writing, 600 BC, the Jews are all pretty much in bondage. You've got a few that were righteous, like when Christ came the first time, only a few were ready for his arrival. Righteous, hearts were clean, in a limited sense, you understand. Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their hearts. It's always a heart problem, isn't it? And put the stumbling block of their iniquity before their face. It's their own fault. And we say this, it was self-inflicted. We say this, well, she took her own life, he took his own life, she's a drug addict, he's an alcoholic. Nine times out of ten, it's self-infliction. Colon, should I be inquired of at all by them? Could you imagine the Lord saying that to you, appearing to you, and saying such and such, your neighbour, or your mother, or your father, your husband, or your wife, your son, or your daughter, is trying to reach me, should I make myself available to them? You'd be floored, you'd be awestruck, you'd be on your face, saying, but Lord, I'm not worthy to enjoy such an intimate relationship with you. Therefore speak unto them, and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Every man of the house of Israel, that setteth up his idols in his heart, and putteth a stumbling block of his iniquity before his face, and cometh to the prophet. I, the Lord, will answer him that cometh according to the multitude of his idols. I will deal with that prophet, not the devil. It's important that you understand that. Verse 5, that I may take the house of Israel in their own heart, because they are all estranged from me through their idols. So Christ comes the first time, 98% of Israel would reject him, were in perpetual darkness. You had Nicodemus, you had Joseph of Arimathea, you had Anna, you had Simeon. That's just four people. Around the time of Christ's first coming, from memory, you got around a thousand priests. A thousand priests. Some in active service, some retired. But out of a thousand priests, holy men, if you will, reverent fathers, if you will, only two see him, believe on him, and follow him, as far as the laity are concerned. It's Simeon, it's Anna. Basically, it comes down to this. When you read the Bible on a regular basis, you've got just two groups of people. Now, for, ne uh, for today, you've got the saved and the unsaved, the righteous and the unrighteous, the just and the unjust. For the Old Testament, it's very similar. The righteous and the unrighteous, the just and the unjust. Of course, the term born again, the definition of the new birth, isn't really revealed, explained, articulated until the New Testament, of course. Speak unto them, say unto them, thus saith the Lord God. When Christ spoke, he had the words of the Lord. Every man of the house of Israel that setteth up his idols in his heart and putteth the uh, stumbling block of his iniquity before his face and cometh to the prophets in the context of Ezekiel, but in type Christ, I the Lord will answer him that cometh according to the multitude of his idols. It's always a heart problem, isn't it? The main sin in scripture, again, is idolatry. 
when a saved person gets caught up in idolatry and that's why first john chapter 5 says little children keep yourself from idols it's pretty much all over unless of course that person repents and gets out of it but for the children of israel they were locked into this bondage to idols idolatry for centuries that i may take the house of israel in their own heart because they're all estranged all estranged from me through their idols so the jews back in the days of ezekiel 600 thereabouts bc were for the most part in bondage to idolatry ezekiel is a companion to jeremiah and if you read ezekiel and jeremiah together you get a great blessing you get a great revelation and also a very vivid and sad picture of god's elect people never forget that his elect people being constantly buffeted with idolatry and that's one of the reasons why i think when christ came the first time most of jury didn't receive him it wasn't that they had the idols like they did back in the old testament times but they're very cozy to rome they had a good thing going you see and later on they would say how they had no king but caesar they would actually pick caesar over christ so in a sense in a limited sense they had a different type of an idol problem look at verse 6 therefore say unto the house of israel thus saith the lord god repent and turn yourselves from your idols now in the context this is aimed at the jews under the law this is god's covenantal people luke chapter 13 jesus the jewish messiah would say to israel repent except you repent you should all likewise perish repentance from the old testament and here clearly found over in verse 6 means to quit doing it turn from it but for the new testament like acts chapter 20 it says repentance towards god acknowledging that there's only one god accepting there is only one god because most of paul's converts had been heathen gentiles worshiping many gods repent repentance towards god except there is only one god and faith in the lord jesus christ but your faith in the lord jesus christ trust him alone to save you so for the old testament repentance means and here quit doing wrong start doing right but for the new testament a turn from unbelief to belief acknowledging that there's only one god but on top of that how that one god sent his only begotten son into the world repent and turn yourselves from your idols here literally and turn away your faces from all your abominations so ezekiel type of christ would say to his people repent and of course god is speaking through ezekiel it says over in the gospel of john how the holy ghost wasn't given by measure to the lord jesus christ in other words when he spoke he had the complete revelation the complete authority from heaven to say what he did and do what he did he had the holy ghost anointing him and the words are of course from the father say unto the house of israel thus saith the lord god god is speaking repent and turn yourselves from your idols in the context physical idols before you got saved you had spiritual idols probably you probably worshipped yourself you probably had a very high view of yourself but people today all over the world are still locked into 
physical idolatry, physical bondage. Turn away your faces from all your abominations. Don't even look at these idols. Verse 3, verse 4, don't even speak about such wickedness. Every time you speak about such wickedness, every time you entertain such depravity, if you're not careful, it can get a hold on you and draw you back, draw you back to where you once were. Seven, for every one of the house of Israel, ought the stranger uh, that sojourneth in Israel, which separated himself from me and setteth up his idols in his heart, and putteth the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face, and cometh to a prophet to inquire of him concerning me, I the Lord will answer him by myself. I don't need the devil, he's saying. And most people today are fearful of the devil, and rightly so. But the devil has a limited mandate. The devil only knows so much. God is still sovereign everywhere at the same time. All-powerful, knows all of your thoughts. Sees and hears everything. The devil is limited as to what he does and does not know. And that's why the Lord is taking the lead here. And reminding Israel that their relationship, their covenant is with him. Not the devil, nor false gods. Look at verse 8. And I will set my face against that man. And will make him a sign and a proverb. And I will cut him off from, from the midst of my people. And ye shall know that I am the Lord. Set my face against that man. Make him a sign and a proverb. Basically humiliate him. That you should all know that I am the Lord. It's all about the Lord. It's not about anyone else or anything else. It's about Almighty God. A covenant relationship with the one true God. But keep reading on. Look at verse 9. And if the prophets be deceived when he hath spoken a thing, I, the Lord, have deceived that prophet. And I will stretch out my hand upon him and will destroy him from the midst of my people Israel. Every false religion, every false prophet, every false teacher that teaches a way which is contrary to the one true God has been deceived, not by the devil, indirectly perhaps, but directly has been deceived by Almighty God. It could be Muhammad, it could be Buddha, it could be Confucius, it could be the Church of Rome, it could be your favourite telly, evangelist, anyone anywhere that preaches a gospel which is contrary to God's gospel, to God's revelation here, we're way back in the Old Testament, has been cursed, and the prophet, verse 9, has been deceived by the Lord. And I speak to Catholics, and they say, but we know we have the truth. We know we are the one true church. We have over a billion followers. We've had many holy men over the years, holy women over the years. We can't all be wrong. Yes, you are. You're all wrong. God is deceiving your system. And that's why you were told to come out of her, my people. Revelation 18, verse 4, that you be not a partaker of her plagues. Don't be destroyed with Babylon when she goes down. Set my face against that man, verse 8. Make him a sign and a proverb. 
and I will cut him off from the midst of my people, destroy him in the context, Israel, but in a timeless sense, for all of eternity, or from the end of the Old Testament going into the New Testament, and from the New Testament right up until the end of the tribulation. That ye shall know, ye shall know, all of you will know that I am the Lord. It's all about him, you see. And if the prophet and also teacher be deceived when he hath spoken a thing, and of course he will be deceived, I the Lord, I the Lord, I the Lord have deceived that prophet. And I will stretch out my hand upon him and will destroy him from the midst of my people Israel. It could be Muhammad, like I say, it could be the Church of Rome, it could be uh, the Kabbalah, it could be Scientology, it could be Islam, it could be the Jehovah's Witnesses, it could be the Mormons, it could be the Freemasons. Most of the world is still very religious up until this current date, this current era, although when you go to college, university, you are educated out of being a theist, most of the world is still very religious. And they are following a spirit, you see. But that spirit is going to condemn them. 10. And they shall bear the punishments of their iniquity in the context. Lost apostate Jews, Old Testament, but in type for the here and now people will reap what they sow, pay the consequences for their wickedness at the great white throne judgment. The punishments of the prophet shall be even as a punishment of him that seeketh unto him. In other words, it was your fault in the first place. You went to a false teacher. You consulted a false teacher. The false teacher is going to be destroyed because God has raised him up to destroy him. But those that follow his gospel those that follow his lead are also going to be destroyed because they have a conscience, you see. Just because you have a burning sensation in your bosom or just because you feel safe and sound with a billion people behind you, it could be Church of Rome or Islam, doesn't mean a thing. Is it biblical? Can it be substantiated from the Word of God? The words of the Lord are pure words, purified in a furnace of the earth seven times god will speak first and foremost in hebrew then aramaic then greek then it would be old syriac old latin old german then it would be english and if you're not a king james bible believer what is your final authority what are you trusting in your church your feelings your heart is desperately wicked who can know it? Not only wicked, but deceived. Please excuse the bird behind me. Must be the breeding season. <laughs> and the tractor also behind me. Eleven, that the house of Israel may go no more astray from me there's still time, repent, going back to verse 6, repent ye, except you repent, you should all likewise perish, the Lord takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, repent, do an about turn, Old Testament, quit doing it, come back to Jehovah, 
New Testament, Acts chapter 20, Pauline epistles, repent, change your mind, acknowledge there is only one true, all-powerful and eternal God, and put your faith in his only begotten Son in order to be saved. That the house of Israel may go no more astray from me, neither be polluted any more with all their transgressions, but that they may be my people, and I may be their God, saith the Lord God. So one day, God is going to damn people, and think about that term, which you hear a lot about in the movies, or you hear people say it on the streets, in gangster videos, or pop videos, or computer games, GD this, GD that. I remember, was it two years ago, when Harry sat down with Meghan, to announce to the world that he was going to marry his American fiance, and he was speaking to the British media, and he said, uh, yes, it's been a wonderful experience. I proposed to her, so and so forth. And they said to her, what have you learnt from Megan? And without any hesitation, he said, well, she's taught me to say GD, meaning God damn. And he thought it was very funny, and they were laughing uh, in uh, the palace, maybe in Clarence House or Kensington Palace. They've now moved to a two and a half million pound mansion. Always interesting how these liberals preach one message to one group of people and then turn around and do something completely different. But anyway, he said, yes, she's taught me to say GD. And I thought, wouldn't it have been interesting had he said to uh, the media, well, I've taught her about the Protestant faith and I've taught her about the King James Bible, which my great, 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 great grandfather commissioned. No, that's not what he would say. She's taught me to say GD like a goddamn hate saying that it's blasphemy but for the purpose of this message i have to put it down record it so you know what i'm referring to that's all he could say to the press she's taught me to say gd i feel very uh happy about it and he was laughing and she was laughing and yet i can remember before his mother died she went to meet mother Teresa, or maybe mother Teresa came to the uk i forget where it was doesn't really matter but, she, uh, but Teresa sat down with Diana, and Diana said to uh, Teresa, please teach me to pray, and please teach me to teach my children how to pray. I thought, isn't that a sad story? Here's a woman, born with a silver spoon in her mouth, has travelled the whole world with the Prince of Wales, and yet she doesn't know how to pray. Didn't know how to pray. And here she's asking a spinster, how do I pray? Teach me to pray. And on top of that, help me to pray so I can teach my sons how to pray. So it's tragic, isn't it? When you see members of the royal family, like Harry and Meghan, this new power couple, as they are being referred to, wanting to connect with poor people, wanting to travel around the world, preaching their particular gospel, and then turning around and claiming two and a half million pounds, two and a half million pounds to have a nice mansion with a floating kitchen. What is going on? 12, the word of the Lord came again to me saying, now this term word of the Lord means God is speaking to him with an audible voice, but go back to Adam, to Abraham, Abraham to Moses, 2,500 years, there's no written word yet. Melchizedek has arrived. Uh, Enoch 
has arrived. There have been Christophanies, but there's nothing in writing until the end of Moses' life, which is very interesting because when Moses arrives to set his people free, they've been in bondage for 400 years. When Messiah arrives to set his people free, they've been in silence and spiritual bondage for 400 years. So it's like this, from Malachi to Matthew, no word from the Lord, nothing from the Lord, silence, we call that the period of silence, and then one day Messiah arrives, repent, there's that word again, repent, for the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God is at hand, and of course the Messiah has both kingdoms available, if you will receive it, receive it, and of course they would reject both kingdoms, he preaches, people follow him, Moses arrives, he preaches, people follow him, but for 2500 years, from Adam to the time of Moses, no books, no writings. They are living by faith, literally. Remarkable, isn't it? And after 400 years of being in captivity, Messiah arrives in the type of Moses, because Moses is also a type of Messiah. Preaches to them, a type of the gospel for the New Testament. They respond to his preaching. And out they go, around 6 million, or thereabouts. And by the end of the first century, You've got around a million people all over the Roman Empire that have received the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 12 again. The word of the Lord came again to me saying, audible voice, which would later be written down. Incidentally, it would take from Genesis to Malachi around a thousand years to write. All those books would take a thousand years. Different men were raised up over different centuries. God is in no rush to write and preserve his word. And of course, the New Testament, within 65 years, the entire New Testament is written and circulated. That's one of the reasons why it was important for the early church to stay together, not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together with others, because the apostles were still receiving revelations. The New Testament hadn't been completed until the death of the apostle John late in the first century look at verse 13 son of man there's that term again son of man when the land sinneth against me by tra uh, by trespassing grievously then will i stretch out my hand upon it and will break the stuff of the bread thereof and will send famine upon it and will cut off man and beast from it though these three men noah daniel and job were in it they should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord. Only three people would be spared from what was about to come. Noah, who got drunk and yet was still saved. Daniel, who allowed Nebuchadnezzar to bow down to him. And Job, who was self-righteous in his own eyes and yet still saved. And each of those men are in heaven today. And each of those men picture grace. Going back to imputation. Going back to once you've been pardoned, God will not reverse it. Though these three men, Noah, Daniel and Job, were in it, like living in Israel around the time of Ezekiel, they should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, by their standing, by their relationship with, with uh, Jehovah, not 
In other words, faith and works, which is taught and preached by certain dispensationalists, but because they were saved, they were righteous, and their righteousness was held up as an example to others. Go to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. In the UK, we are going through an unofficial revolution, I guess. Morals are all up for grabs. And I think probably when the Queen eventually dies, there'll be a huge shift. Just this week, I saw an article about Prince William uh, being invited to be an ambassador for the LGBT movement. All over the world, people are caving to this minority group. And it's my belief that once the Queen dies, you'll probably see William and Harry, Catherine and Meghan marching at future gay pride events. At the moment, they're not quite doing that. But this week, uh, William went on camera, was very happy and proud to say that he'll be more than happy to uh, receive his son uh, coming out as being homosexual, his daughter coming out being a lesbian, has no problem with it. The reason why these people like Harry and uh, William are so liberal goes back to being raised in a rudderless family. No spiritual foundation. There was talk of Diana converting to Catholicism. She was very taken with Mother Teresa and uh, spoke to many celebrity Catholics before her death. Uh, nothing came of it, of course, but it shows that she was searching. But unfortunately, she was searching in all the wrong places. She was dating Muslim men and came very near to marrying one of those Muslim men. So I'm not surprised that William has no spiritual foundation. His brother has no spiritual foundation. His brother is happy to blaspheme on camera. And William is happy to embrace LGBT, a minority group. But here's the thing one more time. Why are we giving such a platform? Why are we giving special rights to such a minority group? Why is this minority group so powerful? And why is this minority group dictating to the majority? I mean, look at Canada. Look at Trudeau. He's the most anti-heterosexual, most pro-PC person, probably in power today. And yet last time I checked, he's married. He's got children. I mean, where's the irony in that? <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? But he's pro-LGBT. He's allowing his country to penalise Christians. There have been two arrests over the last 10 days in Toronto alone. Two Christian preachers being arrested. Donald Trump is now shifting, coming more out in support of LGBT. In the UK, we've got an election underway to replace the current Prime Minister. You've got two candidates, both liberal, both millionaires, hardly in touch with the man in the street. Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, look at verse 13. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be, which go in thereat, not just some, but many. And this crowd are of the belief that they have the truth. It could be Holy Mother Church. It could be Islam. It could be LGBT. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, 
and few, and few, and few, there be that find it. Most people are wanting to go to heaven upon death. Most people don't want to go to hell upon death. Even the most anti-Christian, the most antagonistic person you can think of alive today has a small part of their heart, in their heart. There's a small part of them which is hoping for heaven if it's real. Very few people openly want to go to hell and burn forever. Most want to go to heaven, of course. Enter ye in at the straight gate. You have to do something. Straight gate. Straight gate. Jesus Christ is called the door. He's called the mediator. He has the keys. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way, that leadeth to destruction like damnation. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, everlasting life. And few there be that find it. Go to Luke chapter 13. We are currently updating our websites, and we've also reactivated our Spanish YouTube channel. And uh, over the next probably three or four, five or six months, my Romans uh, Bible study will be translated into Spanish. In fact, it's already been translated. It's now being produced into video format and we want to try and reach as many Spanish speaking people all over the world so please subscribe to our Spanish YouTube channel uh, updating old articles and only this morning I came across an article that I wrote 2013 where have the years gone of William and Harry and uh, Catherine promoting Harry Potter promoting witchcraft Again, go back to their parents. Go back to William and Harry's parents. No spiritual foundation. Teresa, teach me how to pray, please. Help me to help my sons to pray. You would have thought that the Queen would have taught her grandsons to pray. Doesn't seem so. And yet when William married Catherine, when Harry married Meghan, both of their wives had to convert to the Church of England. Incredible, isn't it? And yet down the line, promoting Harry Potter, LGBT, blaspheming on camera. The whole world has gone backwards. It's now an upside down world. Luke chapter 13, Luke chapter 13. Look at verse uh, 23. Then said one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? And he said unto them, strive to enter in at the straight gate. It's going to be me, not Muhammad. It's going to be me, not Mary. It's going to be me, not the Church of Rome. It's going to be me, not Harry Potter. It's going to be me, not LGBT. It's going to be me, not Yabulon. It's going to be me, not Sitting Bull. It's going to be me, not Confucius. You talk about exclusive. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. So again, the most ardent atheist, the most critical anti-Christian, 
the most conniving charlatan deep down in their being wants to go to heaven upon death only a sadist would want to go to hell forever and that's why he says how many are going to want to be saved upon death but should not be able 25 when once the master of the house has risen up and has shut to the door and ye begin to stand without and to knock at the door saying lord lord open unto us and he shall answer and say unto you i know you not whence ye are now this is also in reference to the second advent in reference to matthew 25 the sheep and the goat wheat and the tares but in type we can apply this to religious people today when they die are expecting heaven and yet they get hell going back to ezekiel how the lord himself has deceived that prophet and has deceived those that are following such a prophet 26 then shall you begin to say we have eaten and drunk in thy presence and thou hast taught in our streets we thought we knew you jesus we thought we knew the one true god we thought we had intimacy with you and i always think of the catholics from verse 26 they take their communion very seriously they actually believe that the power the uh, the priest has power to transform the wafer a piece of bread into the bread of life literally and the wine into the blood of christ literally they believe that they still do to this day only to hear this from 27 but he shall say i tell you i know ye not whence ye are where you're from i don't know where you are from depart from me all ye workers of iniquity there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when ye shall see abraham and isaac and jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of god and you yourselves thrust out in the context unbelieving jews but again in type prophecy people who are religious but are not following the one true god are following false teachers false prophets that have been raised up by the lord to punish them go to second thessalonians chapter 2 this has got to be one of the busiest trips in recent times for me uh not only busy but very noisy i should say very noisy pulpit today my apologies it's a beautiful sunny morning uh, but it's windy and like i say there are uh farmers out today uh cutting the grass and uh a bird behind me which i saw when i first arrived a beautiful bird probably uh, defending its newborn second thessalonians second thessalonians chapter 2 look at verse 8 please and then shall that wicked be revealed antichrist of course whom the lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth holy ghost and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming second advent light transfiguration even him whose coming is after the working of satan with all power and signs and lying wonders you've got the sign gifts and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they received not the love of the truth being the lord jesus christ that they might be saved 
So very quickly, allow me to say this as a quick footnote in reference to my last video, Mark of the Beast. The serpent, Genesis chapter 3, has a seed, a spiritual seed, not a literal seed. The Saviour has a seed, Isaiah 53, not a physical seed, but a spiritual seed. Christ has a church. Christ had no physical children. The devil has no physical children. Yes, Judas is called a devil, John chapter 6, but be mindful of this from Luke 22, how the devil would enter into Judas Iscariot. And at that moment, Judas becomes the son of perdition. And also Judas had a father called Simon. So it's my belief that the devil has a spiritual line running from probably Abel right down to the final Antichrist who also arrives on the scene, starts off all very well, uses flattery to get his own way, promises peace, uses peace to seduce the world. And then at a point of the Lord's choosing, the devil enters into the Antichrist and he becomes a man of sin. Verse 11, and for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. It's found in both Testaments. Ezekiel 14, 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2. Never mind fearing the devil. Yes, he's powerful. And when, a look, when the Lord allows him to work over one of his children, he takes great delight in that. But you should be fearing Almighty God. Repentance towards God, one more time. Acts chapter 20. And faith towards, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. 13. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord. Because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So for the tribulation, and that's what Paul is speaking about, during the tribulation, those that don't want to hear the gospel, don't want to receive the gospel, are going to have their hearts hardened even more. We'll take the mark of the beast, Revelation 13, because the names were never written in the Lamb's Book of Life, never saved to begin with. But another group will go through the tribulation, get saved, and will not take the mark of the beast. Ten again. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, go to hell forever. And yet, as I was updating one of my articles this morning on uh, William and Harry and Kate endorsing Harry Potter, witchcraft, maybe five or six years ago or thereabouts, at the same time, the Archbishop of Canterbury was giving press briefings about the states of the banks the recession, food banks. Never once did Welby come out since then or before then or after then. Never once has Welby come out and said the occult is wrong and explain why. LGBT is wrong and explain why. The ecumenical uh, movement is wrong and explain why. There's a spirit behind Welby, you see. There's a spirit behind the Church of England. There's a spirit behind the Church of Rome. There's a spirit behind LGBT, there's a spirit behind Islam, Catholicism, even modern Judaism, 
because they were saved, not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. So it was possible at a point back in time for those in Ezekiel's day to be saved, but they would turn Ezekiel down. Same is true today. God is still wanting people to be saved, still sending people like myself out to locations like this, trying to reach people via the internet through gospel tracks, speaking to people face to face. But there's a spirit you see, there's a spirit which is pushing back against Christianity. Just this week, Israel Falou was trying to raise money to appeal against his unfair dismissal for speaking out against homosexuality. And I made a video about Falou a few months ago, a rugby player from, is it Australia? He had a GoFundMe page, had raised a lot of money and the powers that be decided to take down his GoFundMe page. So much for toleration, so much for being progressive. Again, for these people to penalize conservative Christians for enjoying free speech is a throwback to George Orwell's 1984. And I've seen both of the movies a very terrifying storyline which has come true based on the Soviet Union back in the 1940s and 50s and one of the things that I would like to see post Brexit would be for Britain to be given a Bill of Rights a written constitution greater freedom of speech to say what you want without fear of being persecuted punished allowing everyone to say what they want without of course inciting hatred or violence there has, there has to be a line drawn somewhere but i'd like to see that once we finally come out of the european union to have a bill of rights we need that in this country that they all might be saved but as a result of not being saved had pleasure in unrighteousness, verse 12. So there was a possibility to have been saved. And yes, of course, the Lord knew who would be saved and who would not be saved, but he still gives people the chance to be saved. This goes back to the Lord's sovereignty and man's free will. And they run side by side in a way that no Calvinist has really ever explained or no Armenian has ever really explained. But they do go side by side. 13 but we are bound to give thanks always to god for you brethren beloved of the lord because god hath from the beginning starting at the time of the lord's arrival repent ye believe the gospel so on so forth chosen you to salvation through the calling of the gospel through sanctification of the spirits after you believed on him of course and belief of the truth again salvation and the atonement goes side by side. Christ dies for the sins of the whole world. The whole world's sins were put on him. But you have to acknowledge that. You have to receive it to make it relevant for you. You can't understand that. How can you understand a man dying 2,000 years ago? And if you put your faith in a man who died 2,000 years ago, not going to hell forever, you can't really understand that. But you can believe it, can't you? You can believe it, you must believe it. 
One, two, he called you by our gospel, gospel, the grace of God, to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Go to Romans chapter 10. As we get nearer to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, we will lose more and more of our freedoms. I don't believe for one moment that Boris will give us a written constitution uh, two men have been arrested in Toronto like I say over the last 10 days or so for preaching on the streets and this minority group have the whip hand now but go back to what I said over the last couple of videos no referendums no votes for the people to decide whether or not we want to accept a new definition of marriage yes pe uh, treat people fairly and respectfully i'm all in favor of that i don't tolerate don't advocate violence of any kind of any sort but freedom of speech has to go right across uh the way right across uh the spectrum otherwise it's not freedom of speech romans chapter 10 look at verse 1 brethren my heart's desire and prayer to god for israel is that they might be saved it was possible for the Jews to repent Ezekiel chapter 14 2nd Thessalonians chapter 2 acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Messiah put their faith in the risen Son of God if I bear them record that they have a zeal of God that's good but not according to knowledge that's not good for they being ignorant of God's righteousness like imputation and going about to establish their own righteousness like works have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God wouldn't put their faith in Christ alone to save them wouldn't listen to Ezekiel back in the Old Testament wouldn't listen to Paul 2nd Thessalonians chapter 2 would probably ignore the two witnesses Revelation 11 would suppress their consciences Romans chapter 1 going back to how this is all going to play out at the great white throne judgment you'll have billions of people going right back to the time of Abel arriving to be judged by Jesus and there'll be murderers there there'll be adulterers there there'll be fornicators there there'll be thieves liars deceivers fraudsters charlatans so on and so forth none of those people can look Christ in the eyes and say but I thought it was okay I thought it was okay I went to the Church of Rome they may say I was a Muslim they may say we followed the Kabbalah they may say we did Nirvana they may say we went to the temple the synagogue the steakhouse the kingdom hall the mosque the lodge we were trying to do our best and Jesus Christ will just look at those people and say I never knew you never knew you depart from me you workers of iniquity verse 4 for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone to everyone to everyone that believeth the just shall live by faith people are very complex very complicated people don't want to receive what has been done for them people for the most part want to boast about their good works their good deeds 
Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. It was possible. There was no or unconditional election. If I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, yeah, but it's in the wrong area. But not according, not according, not according to knowledge. What do they say? A little knowledge is a dangerous thing. For they be in ignorance of God's righteousness. This is aimed at the Jews, God's covenant people. And going about to establish their own righteousness, like faith and works, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. They won't do it his way, they'll do it their own way, and as a result, God will damn them. God will damn them. Great white throne judgment. Going back to how the road to hell is wide, broad, and the gate, entrance, path to heaven, life is narrow. And few there be that find it. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. To everyone that believeth. Go to 1 John chapter 4. You say to me, is it easy to spot a false teacher? Not particularly. Not really. The apostles spent three and a half years with Jesus. Judas, son of Simon, was one of their own. Did miracles. Would raise up the dead. Cast out devils saw and heard pretty much everything and yet his heart going back to Romans 10 1 or Romans 10 verses 1 to 4 which we just looked at his heart wasn't any good desperately wicked deceitful above all things and when push came to shove would think nothing of selling out the Lord beloved believe not every spirit but try the spirits whether they are of God because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Prophets, teachers, evangelists. Paul says over in 2 Corinthians 11 how these preachers, prophets, for the most part, appear as ministers of righteousness, preaching a holiness message. Interesting. Not an anti holiness message, but a holiness message. And of course, we refer to those people as Lordship Salvationists. Could be Armenian, it could be Calvinist. And Paul says they are from the devil, not from the Lord. Just lost my place. Try the spirits, test the spirits. Roll up your sleeves, basically. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. 2 Peter 2.1 says how these false teachers make merchandise off you deny the only Lord God that bought them look at verse 2 hereby know you the Spirit of God every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God and every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God and this is that spirit of Antichrist whereof you have heard that it should come and even now already is it in the world? So basically, if you want to test someone, try someone out, just ask them, do they confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh? They could lie to you, of course. So there's no way to be completely uh, clear or to be completely safe from being uh, deceived. But at least you can say to them, do you confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is Jehovah God? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is God Almighty? 
and of course the Muslims are saying no, so you can tick them off. And the uh, JWs are saying no, tick them off. And the Mormons will say that Jesus Christ was a God, or one of the gods, you can tick them off. And the Jews will say no, we don't believe that Jesus Christ is Jehovah, tick them off. And yet the Catholics, not so easy with the Catholics, because the Catholics believe that Jesus Christ is God Almighty. But the Catholics fall foul of Romans chapter 10, verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. The Church of Rome are ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness which is of God. So 1 John chapter 4 deals with Islam, like I say, Judaism, Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, the Freemasons and others, but doesn't deal specifically with the Church of Rome because they do teach that Jesus Christ is Jehovah manifest in the flesh. Beloved, believe not every spirit, every preacher, every teacher, every messenger, but try the spirits, check them out, whether they are of God. There's that word again, of God, meaning have they come from God. There's only three spirits. There's the spirit of man, there's the spirit of God, and there's the spirits of the devil. And if you're born again, you have the spirit of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world, hereby know you the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Is he Jehovah God? Is he God's only begotten Son? Can we be saved solely through him? Yes or no? If they say yes, you're dealing with somebody who is legit. And if they say no, you're dealing with somebody who is illegitimate. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. Chuck them out if they say no to verse 2. And this is that spirit of Antichrist. Antichrist. Well, if you have heard that, it should come. And even now already is it in the world. So you have to check out people. You have to ask people. You have to take the time out to inspect what people teach and preach and advocate. It's not easy because people can lie to you. It's my belief that most of what you see online is fake fraudulent. I think 90% of what you see on YouTube is fraudulent, fake. Most of the churches in this country are just dead, wicked, evil and corrupt. The Archbishop of Canterbury, like I say, always laments over the states of finances, third world debt, this and that, and yet you ask him to speak about the occult, no comments, or LGBT, no comments, or Christians being persecuted, being silenced, like, Isla, uh, like Israel Fulu, no comments. I'm not advocating, incidentally, uh, Israel Fulu. I'm told he doesn't hold to some of the beliefs that I hold to. That's another subject for another day. That's for the judgment of the Christ, if he's even saved. But he's entitled to have his say, right? He's entitled to have his say. It's unacceptable to see someone like Israel being penalized, having his GoFundMe channel page, whatever it's called, shut down, because what he is advocating doesn't fit in with the criteria of this minority of minorities. We need a Bill of Rights in this country, like I say, post-Brexit. We need freedom of speech in this country. The Americans have got a good, decent constitution, and yet even the Americans are experiencing uh, their way of life being altered, being affected. The Canadians have gone mad based on Justin Trudeau, like I say, advocating everything that God is against and condemning 
everything that God is for. The whole world is upside down. But here's the thing, 40, 50 years ago, it was illegal to be homosexual. If you were arrested for being a homosexual, you were given counseling. Now, if you criticize homosexuality, you are arrested. And if you criticize homosexuality, you are offered counseling. This is ridiculous. At least allow the people to have a vote on subjects like same-sex marriage, or even the retaining of the royal family. Never once have we been asked our opinion as to whether or not we want a royal family. Never once. We've been given one referendum on Brexit, and the majority of parliaments are against the people. 90% of parliaments, 90% of parliaments are against the vote of the public concerning Britain leaving Brussels. And I'll say this to you, had it gone the other way around, I would have said, leave it. You know, the people have voted to stay in the EU. Let it be, let it be. Look at Scotland, 2014. SNP told the UK, the entire population, that Scotland would have a one-off vote. Once in a lifetime, they said. They lost it. They lost the vote. And now they are backpedaling. They want another vote. They lied. They lied to their own people. They lied to the country. The powers that be are of another spirit, not of God. Again, just three spirits. Spirit of God, spirit of man, spirit of the devil. And most of what you see in here, in the media, from the mouths of politicians, is of the devil, it's of man, in his unregenerate state. Try the spirits, test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets, teachers, men and women have gone out, have gone out into the world, back in the time of John, and it's even worse now. Hereby know you the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesseth, proclaims that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. God was manifest in the flesh, is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh, is not of God, Antichrist. And this is that spirit, that spirit, that spirit of Antichrist. Whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. This message is called, When God Damns. He will damn people. He will damn people because first and foremost, they have chosen to turn from him. They have chosen to follow false teachers. And just as I'm about to finish this message, the uh, lawnmower, or the, whatever, it, whatever it's called, is now <laughs> gone quiet. So that's typical, isn't it? But uh, God will punish people for living the way they want to live, not living the way that they should live. He will take those own people. He will use their own works, their sins against them. Going back to Ezekiel chapter 14, when those people arrive at the judgment, they have no alibi, no excuse. Christ will stand up and say, I died for your sins. I died for the sins of the whole world. You had a conscience. I sent people to you. You had revelation. The law is written in your hearts, but you chose to ignore it. You chose to suppress it. You chose to follow the majority. Could be Rome, could be Islam. It could be secularism. And as a result, you're damned. You're finished. And those people will go into the lake of fire and they burn. They burn for all of eternity. I don't enjoy saying that. I don't get a kick out of saying that. It doesn't satisfy me to say that, but that's what the Bible says. That's what it says. Those people are deceived. Those people want to be deceived. 
That's what makes it even worse. They wanted to be deceived. And God will deal with those people. And he's the one to look out for. It's almighty God's world. He made this world along with the Son and the Spirit. They control it and they delegate, like I say, to the devil. And they reveal themselves through nature, through the Word of God. And what people do with that revelation is really down to them. But it does interest me one more time that for 2,500 years, there's no written word given to anyone, anywhere, at any time. Moses starts to write the first five books of the Bible and also the book of Job around 2,500 years, 2,500 years into the creation of mankind. God speaks to people through words because we are humans, obviously. We communicate with words. And that's why if you are not a King James Bible believer, what is your final authority? I mean, if you don't want to be deceived, if you want to be on the right side of the Lord, what is your final authority? You say you've believed on him, you say you've received him, praise the Lord for that. You say you've trusted him to save you, praise the Lord for that. What's your final authority? Is it the King James or is it the New King James? Is it the NIV? Is it the ESV? Is it the Church of Rome? Is it the Mormons? Is it the Jehovah's Witnesses? What is your final authority? What can you hold up? Let's get my footing uh, better. Uh, what is your final authority when it comes to what God has given you? Is it the King James or is it yourself? Is it your church? If it's not this book, let me say this to you. If it's not this book, you can quite easily be deceived, robbed of a reward, second John, hit the judgment seat, barren, and even ashamed because you are your own worst enemy at the end of the day. And if you're not saved, if you're not born again, if you resent this book, as most people do, you are of the devil, you are of your own spirits, and the further you go from the Lord, the further you stray from him, the further you feed your flesh and stray from him, the more you have to answer for that at the great white throne judgment. God has deceived you. He has deceived your prophets. He has deceived your, could be science teachers. It could be your professors. It could be those that you look up to in church circles, Islamic circles, Jewish circles, Hindu circles, Sikh circles, Masonic circles. Ezekiel 14 is so broad, so broad. If God would do that to his own people, his covenant people, the Jews, what's going to do to those that are not a part of his covenant? If God allowed his son to be tortured and beaten to death, what would he do to those that are not a part of his family? Think about it. Jesus Christ was whipped, beaten, nailed to a cross for six hours. Dragged around the streets of Jerusalem, carrying a cross twice his size. Became sin for us who knew no sin. If God allowed that to happen to his only begotten son, my beloved son, what's he going to do to an unsaved man or an unsaved woman that arrives at the judgment? An unsaved man in the Bible is called a dog. An unsaved woman in the Bible is called a pig. And it's also been said by some teachers that when Christ said to the Jews over in John 8, how they are of their father the devil, and the lust of their father they will do, that somehow upon their death, they take the shape of their father. Because their father is referred to as a dragon, 
and their father, Mark chapter 9, Isaiah 66, is referred to as a worm. Their worm dieth not, and it's possible, and I'll say this, it is possible, I don't teach this, but it is possible that unsaved people, post the great white throne judgment, will not only go into hell forever and burn day and night, but they see a deterioration of the shape of their souls. To go beyond that is speculation, but I think there's something in that. And that's why it's so important for people to be born again right now. Get under the blood. Trust Christ to save you. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? You're not guaranteed the next breath. So I think we will close it there. It's a beautiful sunny day. And uh, I wanted to just change location slightly for today due to the wind, which, surprise, surprise, has now gone. And the uh, lawnmower, a massive lawnmower, I forget what they call it, a tractor of some kind, with those huge propellers, has now finished, would you believe, and the bird, which was behind me, has probably gone to sleep to enjoy some lunch. So, <laughs> welcome to my pulpit. This is what it's like. I come up here, I never know what to expect. There could be people walking, ramblers, and yes, I do give tracks to people if they stop and talk, but most don't. Uh, but I always try and do the best I can when I get to the open air pulpits. And by the grace of God, I've been able to record this message, uh, a depressing message, but it makes sense when you really study the book of Ezekiel to see why people are so difficult to reach, so stubborn. The Bible says how the Jews are a stiff-necked people. Found at least twice in the Old Testament and once in the book of Acts. If that's what the Jews are like, as God's covenantal people, if God would raise up false prophets to deceive his own people, who had already turned from him, he'll have no qualms doing that to Gentiles today. No qualms. It could be the Moonies. It could be the children of God. It could be any of these New Age groups, movements. It could be anyone anywhere who isn't a believer in Jesus Christ, doesn't have a final authority. And those people got no chance, no chance in the world to avoid being deceived and forever damned. But if you repent one last time, if you put your faith in Christ alone, trust in his death, burial and resurrection, and start reading, studying, believing your Bible, like the King James Bible, you can't be moved. You're like a palm tree, perfect, upright. You may slightly blow, only slightly blow, but you don't go to the left, you don't go to the right. A good uh, analogy for politics. <laughs> you are non-partisan. You're like a, a palm tree. You're perfect, upright. And uh, when the judgment seat of Christ comes along, you may get five crowns, you may get four, you may get three, you may get two, you may get one. But one thing you are already given right now is everlasting life. You are promised everlasting life. No other faith system can give you that. Only biblical Christianity can give it to you in writing. I like that, in writing. And all other religions, when it comes, when it comes down to it, are all pretty much the same. Works, 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 and some more works. And even after all of those works, they still don't know if they're coming or going. And I will now sign out and wish you every blessing and happiness in the wonderful name of our great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Mm -hmm.